0: My name is Jake Fox, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. On Schreiber. Tight arm with Scores! Now it's front of an L score! Hands off for Rabel. Switches hands and scores!
1: Kylie Elmiller showing off those shifty skills. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson! Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hunt, he's Adam, together we're bringing you interviews with your favorite players and coaches, as well as news from all four professional lacrosse leagues. We're here with Jake Fox, forward with the New York Riptide and member of the Iroquois National Team. Jake, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Jake, uh, you grew up in Ottawa, Ontario. Uh, You're a member of the Mady Tribe. Uh, When did you first get introduced to the sport, and how important is this game to your culture?
0: Uh, Well, obviously, it's very important to my culture. Uh, I started playing lacrosse when I was seven years old, playing box lacrosse. Um, I jumped into the competitive scene right away, and then I think I started playing field lacrosse when I was about 12 years old or so, when I was playing with uh, the EDGE program out in Toronto. But, yeah, no, obviously, lacrosse is basically, with the exception of football, it's been basically the one sport that's been around with my family my entire life and now uh, with my brother and all that, and then uh, with the other uh, teams and uh, programs that I'm running now. So, uh, lacrosse has been a huge part of my life, it's a huge part of my family's life, and obviously, uh, I'm playing with Iroquois and everything and being a member of uh, too. it's been uh it's a huge part of everything that we do.
1: That's great. You followed uh that up too. You know, going to college at Johns Hopkins, you were know, one of the premier uh US colleges for lacrosse and you played for Coach Petromala. What led to your decision to play for the Blue Jays?
0: Uh yeah, so I committed very early. it wasn't like the new recruiting process they have now. So I uh committed going into my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was I was originally a 2014, and I was, uh, don't tell my teachers this, but I was skipping school in the afternoon to make phone calls to college coaches, Um, because I figured that would be like the best time to kind of get my name out there after tournaments and stuff like that, so I would like once a week probably be on the phone for two, two and a half hours calling different coaches with schools I had interest in, and and then I decided, uh, you know, the best option for me was to reclassify to the 2015 class and my offers went from you know middle to pack d1 and considering even high level d3s to you know top five programs at the time uh, reached out to me after i had a decent summer and my recruiting process and then yeah it took about two weeks coach petro was my first true official visit and um, I'll tell you what, he wasn't a college coach. He'd be a great used car salesman. That guy can sell just about <laughs> anything. Um, he really sold me on the school, uh, how important the academics are. Um, we don't have another sport really overshadowing the lacrosse program there, being that's the only Division One sport on campus, um, which was a big thing for me. And then it was a super small campus, too. Um You know, I went on visits to other schools where coaches had to take you in like a car in their own personal car to get you around campus and show you that. And that wasn't quite um, the college life I was looking for. Um, So, yeah, obviously the lacrosse is great and the history there too. Academics are top ten in the U.S. consistently. And then the small campus was huge for me too. Um, So that was the three main factors that went into me picking uh, Hopkins
1: Oh, that's great. And, you know, you're a poli-sci major there, too. We're going to get into a little bit of, of that later. But um, not only did you attend a premier university and play lacrosse there, but you also came up in the Peterborough Lakers program and you won a Man Cup in 2018 Um, and then played your most recent Senior A uh, with Brooklyn Lacrosse Club this past year. But how do you think playing in the major series lacrosse um, and coming up with Peterborough has prepared you to make the jump to the NLL? Uh,
0: I think it was huge. Um, I was Going into Peterborough, coming from an organization, uh, Gloucester and Ottawa, where you know it's changed drastically now. But you know, I didn't learn how to play a two-man game or do a pick and roll until I was, you know, almost at the junior age. Um, I had the Crawford brothers, Callum Crawford, who plays with New England in mm-hmm. the NLL, um, and then his uh, older brother Ian. Uh, really, kind of took me under their wing, uh, seeing that you know I had a future in lacrosse, and granted them, you know I'm thankful for them that they were able, they saw that in me and were willing to take the time to help me and kind of help me get my game ready for um, for junior at the next level, knowing that I was gonna try and go somewhere else. Um, luckily, I was able to go to the closest. Location being Peterborough, which again another historic program, multiple minto's, and when you look at the senior, they've won three straight man cups, and mm-hmm. you know we're constantly some of the best players in the world and best players in the NLL come out of the Peterborough program. So um, for my five years of junior, I got to play for the Lakers, had some great coaches, um, Matt Giles and Tracy Kolowski and Dan Carey. Really, uh, my first year, or so they're kind of toughened me up. Um, turned me into kind of the player I am today. Um, just kind of realizing with the size that I had, I need to play like I was a six foot three, two hundred and thirty odd pounds player, rather than uh, being trying to be a quick, shifty, you know, five, six, hundred thirty five pounds soaking wet guy. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of developed me into the role that uh, I've played for the last whatever eight, nine years, and the role that it's. You know, I hope to play in the NLL uh, as that kind of off-ball, uh, gritty, um, protect your teammates kind of role, uh, and then obviously, hopefully, help out on the off and uh, put some balls in the back of the net while I do it.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. And you know, the the Riptide took notice of that. You were drafted 19th overall uh, for the expansion team. Um, how was the draft for you? And what did it feel like to hear your name called?
0: Uh, it was fun, you know. Obviously, uh, a lot of guys in this draft class I grew up with playing, whether field lacrosse or playing against, um, you know, guys who were my summer ball teammates, like Holden Garland and uh, you know John Wagner, who ended up you know being with the Riptide with me, and you know guys who I grew up playing with, like Carter Vador who was uh, drafted by Rochester and stuff like that, Petero guys, all that. So it was cool getting to be in a room with a bunch of guys that you knew for a long time. And, you know, you've all been waiting for that uh, time in your life where, you know, you get to take uh, that first step towards the pros. Um, it was awesome. The Xfinity Live is absolutely incredible and in silly. And the way the NLL does it is, uh, you know, top notch compared to, you know, what I used to watch, what, five or six years ago. Um, they've really stepped it up a notch and made it feel like. Big deal, because you know, to a lot of kids, it is. Um, you know, this is the next step of their career, where you know, this is something a lot of these kids, when they're three years old and they start first start playing paperweights and stuff, this is what they're dreaming of. It's playing in the NLL. Um, so you know, the experience was cool. Uh, it felt like I was sitting in that room forever. I know, <laughs> I know, being, that and being taken at the top of the second round sounds a little uh, odd, but you know. Um, you know, it's just that uh, nervousness. And, like, every team you talk to, right, they come up on the draft board and you think, oh, maybe it's you, maybe it's not. And you start playing head games with yourself. Uh, that sense of relief to hear your name called was great. And, you know, I can't be more thankful to end up in a place like New York. Um, this next season is going to be absolutely awesome. I'm excited for this team um, and the talent we have. And I think we're going to surprise a lot of people.
1: No, that that's awesome. And, you know, it, it's great that you're you're with – Uh, A new team, you know, kind of a new look, and that kind of brings me to my next question: What's the vibe been at Riptide training camp um, so far?
0: Oh, it's been fantastic. You know, we got a bunch of guys who've been in the league from seven to ten plus years, and uh, you know, who've been kind of leading the way. You got guys like Rannigan and JGP and McRae, and um, those guys who are really leading the way as leaders on this team. Uh, Luckily, you know, I've known Rannigan for six years or so now with that Hopkins connection so it's been nice to talk to him and you know uh Digby plays plays the real role uh that I kind of want to play obviously he was one of the more dominant players in the NL last year putting up 70 to 80 points playing with New England so mm-hmm. i was really excited to learn from a guy like him and obviously Dan McCrae, captain of Calgary last year won the N L L championship. he knows what it takes to win Um, And then we got guys, a lot of guys who are, you know, in this league to prove themselves at this point, who have been in the league for four or five years and practice a lot in and out of lineup with other teams. So I think you're going to see a really hungry, aggressive, and, you know, just a team that's not going to step down from anybody, no matter who they are, what the names on the other side are. We're out here to, you know, prove what Riptide lacrosse is. And I think that's going to be mean, gritty and uh, in your face. And I'm, I'm, I think... uh, You know, I'm going to fit into that well, and uh, I can't wait to uh, get started. We're in, what, Halifax uh, in uh, the second week of the season. So, you know, that's going to be a pretty cool. Another new relocation team, you know, that's opening up their new fan base with us. So uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. I think you're going to see some quick rivalries with us, too. We had a scrimmage against Philly, and I think that's going to be a fun rivalry that uh, fans are really going to like.
1: Yeah, no, definitely, and you know, that, I think the you hit the nail on the head with the Philly New York rivalry. It's it's in every other sport, so why not lacrosse? It was pretty uh, cool. We had that inter squad scrimmage in the uh, in uh, the Coliseum, and
0: you know what? The floor was awesome. Um, the fans that got out there got to see a real uh, good game with our guys. Um, obviously, our roster was about double that at the time, and, and unfortunately, a lot of those guys aren't with us anymore. But uh, I think the fans kind of saw it and they know what to expect. And uh, you know, I think when the fans when the fans show up, they're going to get quite a show. And I think uh, you know, Long Island's a pretty big hotbed. I've got a lot of buddies from the area, uh, and I think this will do really well there. So that's what we're hoping for, obviously. And you know, Long Island fans are pretty uh, pretty rowdy, and uh, mm-hmm. they like they like the violence. So I think uh, we're going to fit into this market pretty well.
1: No, yeah, I agree, and I think uh, appealing to the, the Islanders fan base uh, with the color scheme on uh, the logo, I think it is a smart move, too. So it's the a little bit old fisherman logo. It really is, yep, yep. Yeah. They, they should bring those back as throwbacks. I know they got the NY, like the the, the new school, like Adidas ones, that they got as like a, a third jersey, but they definitely should bring back the fisherman uh, jersey at some point. Uh, but let's switch gears a little bit to the international game. You know, we mentioned how you played for the Iroquois national team several times now. Um, most recently in 2018 in Israel. Um, but what is it like, you know, playing for that team and representing your fellow native Americans?
0: It was incredible. Um, you know, and, you know, I got to experience some of, I mean, I believe it was what 2012 when they couldn't go to the games in London or something like 2010, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. so I kind of got to experience that a little bit. Our trip was delayed by about two and a half days, uh, mm-hmm. due to again, passport issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of got the full experience. Um, our flight was delayed by uh, eight hours, four, five, six hours, something like that um, when we were going to Israel. Um, but you know what? The whole experience was absolutely incredible. Um, being able to represent the uh, Métis and the Urfa people uh, was, you know, a blessing, and especially to go to a place like Israel, somewhere where, you know, I never thought in my life I'd be able to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't, you, you don't expect stuff like that, right? Cause a lot of people, you know, I've would usually play played for U.S. In and Europe and they've got to go to Finland and all that stuff and with the United States or whatnot. So, you know, as much as it is about lacrosse, it is also pretty cool to be able to travel, um, in that kind of atmosphere. Um, uh, when we were in Israel, I'll tell you, we were like rock stars. It was incredible. Right. Um, yeah, I I don't – I mean, this might sound uh, a little bit, um, you know, first-person kind of perspective, and people might disagree. Uh, I think we had the most fans out of any other team there. Um, we had a bunch of the other host host teams cheering for us uh, and a bunch of the other teams cheering for us uh, when we were playing Canada and U.S. Uh, so it was pretty cool. Uh, one of the best – about it obviously was the opening ceremonies being there and then playing in front of well, i forget exactly how many but a lot of fans in the opening with every you know nation there and the whole bunch of fans filled up in the natanya soccer stadium you know pregame fireworks and stuff that was pretty cool um i remember going out there for my first shift ever at deep um and I looked at their attack unit, and I immediately ran to Ryan Brown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just like, I've I played a couple of years with you in college. I know yeah. you the best. I'm going to stay with you, and I'm going to keep my stick on your wrist so you can't shoot. Yeah. yeah. They didn't work too Deny great. the I ball. You really <laughs> the tournament scoring. But, um, no, it was pretty cool. And then, obviously, winning bronze was super cool event. Um uh, you know, we played, that was our eighth game in eight days, I believe. Um, and being able to end that with a nice win um, and take home a medal uh, was obviously cool. And getting to play with some of the best players in the world on the Quad team, when you're looking at all the Thompson's and the two Stouts brothers, um, you know, and Tyson Vaughnberry helped me a lot on defense being a good buddy of mine uh, helped me get through the rust and uh, learn, learn the position on the go. And, you know, having Coach Amar, who I was close with, being the Kyle's roommate in high school and college for a bit, and then, you know, uh, Red as the head coach and Coach Tiff, uh, you know, it was a pretty uh, unbelievable experience. And, you know, uh, I'm super grateful to be able to play for that, and I hope to be able to play for the Airclaw again, whether it's at the next field games, at the next box games, whatever I can do or be involved with it in any way possible
1: yeah that's awesome and uh you know and and hopefully too in someday in the olympics in 2028 because I, I know i stumbled across your article that you wrote in the johns hopkins newspaper that addressed the issues you know you mentioned the passport issues that the team faced not only in england in 2010 but also you know in israel in 2018 luckily it didn't affect you guys in 2018 uh talk me through your teammates and yourselves uh, frustrations you know with the recent difficulties with the IOC not recognizing you know the Iroquois national team and what's it going to take for them to to recognize uh, a nation which you know actually we owe this sport you know this sport was started by the Native Americans and for them to not recognize you guys as a nation for the Olympics um what's your pitch to this Olympic committee and you know that they will recognize you guys in time for the 2028 Olympics
0: yeah, so for people who aren't aware of it, um uh, the FIL and the IOC uh came together in order to um bring the Olympics to lacrosse eventually. Uh I believe you said it was twenty twenty eight in Tokyo. I think before that they're doing like a trial run in Tokyo and then for the LA Olympics they wanna bring Lacrosse in or something along those lines with those very different rules and everything that is what it is. But uh yeah, so the FIL, obviously, you know, Iroquois has been a part of that since the 90s, or maybe even the 80s, I can't remember off the top of my head. But the IOC, uh, the International Olympic Committee, uh, still hasn't uh, accepted uh, Iroquois as a sovereign state um, and recognized them as part of the Olympics, which basically means you're going to take some of the best players in the world, like Lyle and Thompson and Randy Sats and all these guys, and they're not going to go play for Canada. Not going to play for the U.S. They're just not mm-hmm. going to. I thought I mean, I'm sorry. I don't want to speak for them. Um, mm-hmm. This is just my assumptions from knowing them that they yeah. won't represent Canada and the U.S. at the Olympics because you know they want to represent the Iroquois people and the Honeymooni people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, my article kind of went through of trying to find ways or look at ways in which why this is such a problem and how it can be dealt with. Um, you know, you got places like Puerto Rico, which is technically part of the United States, but when they go, they actually represent themselves at the Olympics. Mm-hmm, um, yep. You have, you know, a, a refugee team represented under the Olympics. They remove Russia for doping, but they still include them under a different flag and whatnot, I believe, when, when, when it was the two Olympics ago. Um, you know, so you have all these different, you know, exceptions that are being used. Um, you have countries that have one or two athletes when they're walking the open ceremonies as track runners. Um, but for some reason, you know, you're including a sport and not including the people who created it. Uh, mm-hmm. So it doesn't make much sense to me. And um, what I could tell a big thing is borders and surrounding borders, the fact that a lot of nations are spread out throughout Canada and U S without true borders of a land, um, to represent exactly where they are. Um, I don't know, I, I doubt the IOC has any, um, recognition of what that is or Mm -hmm. understand truly what, um, the history is around native Americans and throughout Canada and U S. Um, but I think that's a big problem. Um, I do believe personally that the Iroquois will be in the Olympics. I think um we've had support we will and have had support in these kind of situations from countries in the past that you know will be in these games um and I think we will have the backing from organizations like the c l a and u s lacrosse um to get us into the game. So do I think it's an issue come twenty twenty eight that we won't be there no. Do I think it's gonna be a long over processed experience? Yes. Uh is it gonna be a pain and a pain in the ass? Yes. yes. Um, uh, but I don't think you will have lacrosse in the Olympics without the aircraft.
1: Yeah. No, I I mean I when I read your article I was shocked. I I didn't realize it was an issue and um so hopefully, you know, we can kind of spread the word about this and maybe get some, you know, more public Uh, discourse about it, because it's, to me, it's ridiculous, Um, but, you know, I I think the way you talk about it, you you, you talk about it uh, with a very level head, and, um, you know, I I think you have some great ideas and some great points to make on why they should include you, and, you know, we we wish you and the rest of the team the best of luck in that process, and if there's anything we can do to spread the word, we we certainly will.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I was, I wrote this paper as a class project, as like a, as like a as a paper in a class and uh my professor said you should you know i you need to get this out and you know put it in the newsletter and mm-hmm. i was like okay fine you know i shared it on my like, twitter or whatnot because you know obviously i spent a lot of time on it i was really proud of my work mm-hmm. uh, i was shocked with the traction it got and how uh big it became uh i had a lot of people reach out to me afterwards a lot of you know people favoring and it and quote between it and everything. So uh, I was honestly, when I did that, I was shocked with the amount of um, response I got to it. But, you know, it's one of the things that I'm really glad I did. It. And, you know, I think it kind of got people realizing it. Like you said, I don't think a lot of people realized this is what was going on. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like one of those things that's being spot, like behind the scenes right now with the Iroquois people and the executives there with the Aircon Nationals. And I think it's one of the things that, um, again, I don't think it's going to happen where the Iroquois won't be included. Um, but I think it's something that if continually talks about and fought for. I mean, the process will be a lot quicker than, yeah. uh, you know, it probably will be, to be honest. Uh, we've seen battles with this in the past when it comes to Iroquois and fighting for stuff. And I'll just say, you know, we're going to get it. Oh, one way or another i i guarantee it um but you know again, the support and the response I got from that was incredible, and you know I think it kind of opened eyes to people who weren't aware of it uh but again like like you said, you weren't aware of this issue, you know, I guarantee a lot of people in the trust community aren't aware of this issue, and I think uh so this is an opportunity for to see you know how much. Of pride and respect people have for this game and recognizing that, you know, you you can't really do this without us.
1: Yep. No, absolutely. I agree 100%. But uh, that kind of wraps up our main questions. Uh, We appreciate, you know, you you talking through pretty much your whole career, but let's get into some fun stuff. Um, We're going to take a quick break here for a word from our sponsors, and then we'll go into our five and five segment. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, The Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today. All right, so welcome back. Uh, let's start off with our lacrosse related questions. And the first one I'll start off with is Who is someone in the lacrosse community, whether a teammate, opponent, coach, or family member that you admire?
0: Lacrosse related, Don Grant Jr. Uh, I got to play with June his last year with Peter Bro. I remember one of the first passes he threw to me. We were in warm up. And he threw me in around the world pass off the backboards and right into my stick. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> and I, I even moved my stick and I caught it. I was kind of in shock. Like I've seen him do it on TV, and you know he's been doing it for you know, thirty years now. I don't know. He's in mid forties now, and he's still dominating whatever yeah. league he plays in. Seeing June, seeing what he put his body through, especially near the end of his career, and how he is and still playing now today uh, and just pushing through all that, just for sort his of love of the game. And now the amount he's giving back, you know, now he's at air force, he's coaching high school forever. You know, he's a, he's the real life Reggie Dunlop of the Denver outlaws being player coach.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. I would say June is someone, you know, I really respect. And uh, especially for everything he's done for the game and, you know, uh, I mean, how can you not respect someone who had, you know, bright, bleach, blonde hair back in the day when he's playing for college. It was the greatest of all time. The The nice goatee,
1: also. (laughs) He had his signature goatee. Now he's got, like, the full beard, but uh, you know, there's so many legends of the game that we talk about. You know, we throw around the Gate brothers, um, you know, the Powell brothers, um, but he's the one that's been dominating the most for the longest, and both leagues, too, because we talk about, too, the box game and the field game are very different, and you know, he's He's, you know, I know he just retired recently from the NLL a few years ago, but, you know, he was still playing not too long ago, and then to still dominate in the the field, it's it's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, and I'll say getting to play with him was like a dream come true. Uh, I remember I got an assist on one of his goals, and it was like the greatest thing of my life. Um, <laughs> I thought it was felt so cool. Uh, but, again, like, it changes over time, right? Now it's June. If yeah, 10-year-old me, it was John Tavares, because I wanted to be exactly like him. I wanted to be lacrosse player by night and by weekend and I want to be a teacher by day yeah. so you know it changes over time but yeah I think you know as you get older and you see the body of work that Junior's put in it's hard to not have him as he's probably the best lacrosse player to ever play in my mind I mean Gary Johnny are all great uh, but I think honestly in my mind Junior's the best to ever do it box field you name it John Grant Jr. should be at the top of your list no
1: yeah I, I agree 100% um, but following that, we'll go into our second question, which is, what are some pregame superstitions or routines you have?
0: I, I think I just literally put my gear on the same way every time, you know, mm-hmm. kidney pads, left arm guard, right arm guard, right bicep, left bicep. Uh, I don't wear shoulder pads out for the first warmup. Um, I'll put them on after the second up. Um, uh, I kinda of develop standing behind the net um for like pre game like post game like sorry, pre game like huddle when we're all around the net. I stand behind the goalie. Uh a couple double kicks in the corner. Uh I did that a lot in junior and I'm still kinda of doing that. Uh you know, as I come out on the floor I make sure I hit both sides of the boards twice before I run out. Um I'm not superstitious at all as always, you can tell. Um, <laughs> It's these things that make you feel comfortable over time that I've kind of developed. And, you know, now that I say it out loud, I realize I have a lot more than you think you do, but it's just stuff that, you know, comes naturally to you at a certain point. I'm sure if you watch certain players, though, that stuff eventually comes up all the time and you realize that little stuff that players do every game. Uh, you know, I used to do a handshake with Kyle Killen before every uh, junior game. Um you know, there's stuff that comes and stuff that goes, but, you know, I think what I said kind of, you know, the main thing, standing behind the net, the boards, putting on my gear the same way.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, muscle memory is important. You know, you you, you got to treat each game, you know, the same in order to, like, get into that rhythm. So it's, you know, we, we call them superstitions and routines, but sometimes it's, you know, it's just, it's it's necessary. You know, it's not like we we don't, we we always find some fun ones from people, but it's more, you know, it's kind of like, to kind of tell, you know, our young listeners too, like, you know, you should develop your own kind of routines to kind of get you ready for game day. I used
0: to always get made fun of for stuff like that too. Like don't do what makes you comfortable. If it looks weird, it looks weird. No one cares. You know, if it helps you score, it helps you score. If it helps you shut a guy down, just do it. Don't listen to what other people say. You know, I, I fought coaches on my superstitions before, you know, and you know, it's just, it's the way it is. And, you know, I don't, I don't, Day, fight with your coach, but you know, if it makes you comfortable, you know, do whatever you can to make sure you're in the right mindset for your games. Um, obviously at Hopkins, you know, I was mostly a man of specialists, specialist, but that didn't change the way I prepared for games. I prepared it just as if I was, you know, a four year starter All American. You know, it was the same way for me. I went to practice the same way. So it's just one of those things that once you develop it and you feel the right, stick with it and, you know, you might have to fight some people on it or you might have to you know, keep battling to keep it, but uh, do it if it helps you.
1: Yeah, no, I like that. That's some some good advice. Um, and going off of that, do you have a, a top song on your game day playlist?
0: Yeah, I've been thinking about this one ever since I listened to Tiana. Tiana's. Tiana's mm-hmm. my girlfriend who plays for WPLL. Uh, she did this podcast, what, a month or so ago, a month and a half ago? Yeah, so. yeah,
1: I think it was. Uh, I forget when it was. It was the end of the summer, though, for sure.
0: Yeah, so she was talking about how she's a big rocker and all that. Like I don't mind that. I'm not like I'm kind of the guy who listens to whatever's in the locker room. I'm never mm-hmm. in control of music. I'll tell you that.
1: Uh, <laughs> but I'm a big
0: country guy, so I'll I'll hit up some like old school country to get me going sometimes. Okay. Uh, like dust on the like dust on the bottle uh, stuff like that. It's really weird and it doesn't sound like it will get you going, but you know that's the kind of stuff. Again, it's just me being comfortable with who I am and you know you know, I can listen to A C D C or I can listen to, you know, young Jeezy or whoever Kanye or whoever Drake, whoever people are listening to, but you know, normally especially in college a lot of the time it was, you know, some country music to kinda, of, you know, get me in the right zone and kind of get me ready to go. Yeah, no, that's
1: that's great and it's it's nice too. It's a good change of pace. I, I know I had some guys that I played with that You'd think like they'd be rocking out as well, and they they listen to like you know classical music or whatever to kind of like ease their mind and get them you know cool before games. And sometimes you know it's just it, different things work for different people. So um, number four though, what is your current lacrosse stick up? What is your current lacrosse stick set up in terms of shaft, head, and stringing?
0: Um, I use the thickest, strongest, heaviest Under Armour shafts on the market.
1: <laughs> um,
0: uh, I've gone through a lot of shafts playing and uh, I broke a shaft this summer and that was the shaft they had with Brooklyn. And, you know, I've used it ever since. And then I use the old school one. Remember, man. Um, and I used it for my last two years of college, um, three shooters, two nylons with a big old pocket in it. Um, you know, um, for the most part, it's probably ECD mesh. I was, again, a sponsor at college, and I took about 50 pieces before I left school uh, mm-hmm. to make sure I was, had plenty of it yeah. in case heads broke and stuff like that. But, yeah, my both uh, all three of my, my first stick, my backup and my backup's backup, are all the uh, exact same. It's that heavy shaft with the command head, East Coast soft mesh. With, uh, you know, three shooters, two nylons, all dialed, ready to go with uh, either a uh, taped up hockey puck in it or a softball to keep her nice and wide and, you know, ready so she's not pinched.
1: Yep. No, you got you to gotta have that softball. I, I use the um, superpower, and that, of course, is notorious for getting pinched. I'd always throw a softball in there, and I actually use the East Coast Dyes mesh as well. Um, you know, I feel like anything anything wax-related, especially, you know, I I'm just used to playing the field game, but... Anything with a little bit of like a wax finish to it is always good for the the weather. Um, so
0: yeah, no, well, I've yeah, used I I string, i would string king and East Coast, and they're both awesome. It's just I just happen to be using East Coast now. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So, No rhyme or reason. I like them both. I used to use string king sticks all the time. It's just kind of what was given to me, you know. In the summertime with the uh, Lakers, we were a string king sponsored stick and my company was sponsored by string king so I used string king and then I'd get to school and I would use Under Armour and you know I just kind of I've stuck with Under Armour since after college um, but you know things change sponsorships change your mind right
1: yeah well, so, yeah, sure you know, whoever,
0: <laughs> I'll use whatever stick with whatever mesh as long as I can dial it up the way I like it and the ball shoots straight then you know I'm not too picky with what it is yeah
1: you're good to go I like that Um, And then my my final one will be, what has been your favorite venue to play lacrosse at? Um, I know we talked about, you know, going international. Um, You've obviously played in some pretty historic venues like Homewood Field. So what's been your favorite venue to play at? You know, it doesn't have to be one either.
0: Yeah, I think it depends on the circumstance. Um, I'll say playing at Homewood against Maryland and against Syracuse, um, those were pretty cool experiences. Uh, just in terms of the fan atmosphere, um, you know, when you sell out Homewood, you you can tell. Um, I remember against Loyola, I think it was my junior year when Timmy scored the winner in overtime. There was a huge Loyola fan base there, right on the other side, right where we scored. And uh, you know, after we had scored the game winner, we all ran over to Joel and. Loyola was throwing half eaten burgers at us on the field. It was pretty funny. Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> um, like, stuff like that's pretty fun. Uh, you don't forget those, the packed houses at Homewood. Um, hmm. I'd say the Memorial Center in Peterborough for games there with the senior team, it's almost sold out every game. 3,500-plus uh, fans, you know, um, in a small town that, you know, that's, what they live and die for like that's their pro sports team um Mm -hmm. that's a pretty surreal venue um you know i know i'm going to be able to play in a bunch of cool spots this year i'm excited for some of the fan bases the nno are absolutely ridiculously rowdy and known for it um i'm excited to play in philly Uh, i think that's going to be pretty fun Mm -hmm. Um, I've got to watch a couple games there last year and they're found uh, some of the rowdiest I've ever seen. So that's, uh, that's exciting. Uh, But yeah, I'd probably say personally I've played on Homewood and Peterborough Memorial Center up there for, you know, most historic
1: and uh, most fun I've had playing that venue. Awesome. That's great. But going off of that, we'll go into our, off-the-field questions, and the first one I'll ask is harkening back to your Hopkins days. What was your favorite class to take at Johns Hopkins?
0: Um, Probably the marketing classes. I, was, I always, I don't know, something drew me to it. Um, I had a couple, I had some great professors. Um, Professor Kendrick was awesome. Um, but yeah, I'd probably say any marketing classes. We had a sports marketing class, probably. That was my favorite, I'll go with. Um, you know, it just kind of gave you the ins and outs of it. Of the whole sports marketing aspect of life, and you know, uh, growing into a pro career, especially in a sport like lacrosse, where you really have to advertise yourself, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to make money in the sport. Uh, personally, uh, you see guys like Paul, uh, Paul Rabel, and Kyle Harrison, and you know, more recently, you know, I've got to meet guys like Connor Kelly, obviously, and Jake Picaro, who were out, who was out of tryouts who, uh, you know, they have to market themselves as uh, pro athletes, right? So um, I'd say that class really helped me kind of see into the business aspect of it, uh, which I think will help. So I'd probably say sports marketing was my favorite class in Hopkins.
1: Awesome. That's great. And I also uh, want to tell our listeners, too, you also can speak fluently in French. Is that correct? Correct.
0: Yeah, I I grew up speaking French. I went to a French school for – uh a large part of my uh elementary middle school and a little bit in the high school uh so i haven't spoken so much recently as i used to but yeah i uh, yeah i'm fluent in french
1: um number 2 then is uh what are some hobbies or activities you enjoy doing when not on the lacrosse field
0: See, this is another question where it's just like it's hard to have a hobby and whatnot when your life surrounds around one thing, which is lacrosse. So, you know, um, it's especially playing, I'd say probably 11 or 11 out of the 12 months of the year, you know, it's working out, it's lacrosse. Um, I guess on my downtime, it's a lot of Netflix, hanging out with friends and, you know, family, whenever I can see them and, you know, Girlfriend and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'd probably say, you know, my main hobbies is probably working out, and that's what, you know, being a pro lacrosse player, you kind of, your life is kind of surrounded around that. Being playing, a lot of us are playing 10, 11 months out of the year now. So I would say probably the only hobbies I really have now are working out, hanging out with friends, families, and uh, important people in my life, as well as you know, spend a lot of time where you get to sit down and relax. Just watch Netflix or go on YouTube or, you know, that kind of generic, you know, every day boring stuff. I wouldn't say there's anything specific um, <laughs> that I can really do outside of lacrosse now. It's kind
1: of engulfed in my life. Yeah, no, not nothing wrong with that at all, you know. I'm, I'm obviously pretty, pretty obsessed with lacrosse myself, so there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, number three would be... Who is your favorite
0: non lacrosse athlete to watch? You know, hockey wise, I always liked guys like Jerome McGinley and Sean Avery. Um, you know, tough guys, mean, gritty guys. Those are always kind of my favorite players. Uh, who I watched. I mean, Avery's kind of made a name for himself in social media now kinda of being an ass, but um <laughs> you know, it's always pretty funny to see his stuff. Um, but yeah, I'd say Jerome McGinley was a big one. Um, just you know the way he played hockey and everything. Um, I mean, basketball probably Kobe as generic as it sounds. Nothing wrong with that. Uh,
1: give some yeah, love um, to the Black Mamba.
0: <laughs> and then football, I always looked up to guys like Brian Erlacher and Ray Lewis. Um, I was I'm a big Bears fan, so you know Erlacher was the only star we had for quite a while. So I always liked him. Um, so yeah, I'd probably say those three guys, or four guys, or five guys are kind of the main ones.
1: Yeah, no, some good choices. He, Rex Grossman wasn't your favorite bear. <laughs> no, <laughs> I
0: was gonna pick a bear and be Jake Cutler out of him. I, I'm thinking we might find Cutler soon again. If Mitch keeps playing the way he does.
1: Yeah, uh, I know. It's it's a shame to watch some of these great bear defenses have such struggling quarterbacks. And I actually thought you know Trubisky might put it together, but. Obviously,
0: he doesn't look like he's the answer this year. Um, I think uh, Big Cat from Barstool had the best, like, take of all time. And it's so true. This weekend proved that if Mitch Trubisky or any Bears quarterback just has an average game, the Bears defense can, make like, make it so they win. If he just plays average, I think the Bears, you know, have, you know, a much better record. But, you know, yeah, the nah. curse, we haven't had a good quarterback since. Man in '85, so it is what it is. We'll live and die by it. I'll forget the fact that you know Mahomes and all those other quarterbacks went after we picked Mitch. It, it is what it is. It's what you live with being a Bears fan.
1: Yeah, no, it's it is what it is, like you said. Um, but going off of that, uh, we'll ask: uh, What is your favorite meal, and do you prefer to dine out, take out, or cook at home?
0: I I would say we probably. But I say we uh, me, me and Tiana probably eat out quite a bit. We've been trying to eat in more. Um, I am the cook, no matter what she says, I am the cook <laughs> in the relationship. So I know uh, I uh I know uh, I do a lot of that, so I enjoy that actually. Um I'm a big steak guy, so if you know, if we're staying in I like to make, you know, steak with some veggies and mashed potatoes and whatnot with corn and all that. Um, If we're eating out, I'm a big pizza guy. Um, I hope Jay Dyer's not listening to us. He's my trainer and he's been bugging me about my diet. Um, But yeah, when we eat out, it's a lot of pizza, it's a lot of bread, it's a lot of dough, a lot of stuff that I don't need to be eating right now. But uh, yeah, I'd say probably those are my two big things.
1: No, that's great. Um, I'm going to call an audible for our last one. And I'm going to ask, since you mentioned Jay Dyer, what does your workout routine look like? uh, these days, I know he puts you guys through the ringer, you know, he, he coaches a lot of these professional lacrosse players, but you know, what is he having you doing in the gym that's preparing you for the season?
0: Yeah. So, uh, my cardio has always been a big thing with me. Uh, you know, you know, I, I don't mind doing cardio. I just don't like running in a straight line or running on a, uh, on a machine that makes me run in the same spot. Um, So, you know, obviously after I was done college and I was still living in Baltimore, I reached out to Jay to see if I could train with him uh, post-college. Obviously, there's a lot of guys who work with him a lot and have had great pro careers, and that's what I'm uh, I'm obviously aspiring to have here. Um, Right away, Jay's like, yeah, let's set it up. Um, So, I mean, I'm in season now to a certain degree, um, but, you know, it's you know, very like two, three exercise sets, um kind of high volume of uh exercises. Uh I'm not, you know, squatting three hundred pounds or bench pressing, you know, two fifty or whatever, you know, weight you want to throw out there. Um I, I don't know if I can bench two fifty. It's just the first time that came to my head, so I'm not trying to, you know make myself Seem like a big shot I promise I'm not that mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah it's a lot more um I'd say just specific to lacrosse I work out with you know Kyle Marr my college teammate who's with the Philly mm-hmm. Wings now we work out together in Baltimore right now um Tiana's with us too um so you know it's really just a lot of specific to lacrosse very uh low impact exercises I would say there's mm-hmm. only you know Two or three exercises, three or four sets, um, do about that with two or three different times followed by some sort of conditioning, uh, or and then like footwork or something beforehand. So, you know, I think he's one of, if not the top trainer in lacrosse. I think it's hard to judge to not uh admit that with his uh his sort background mm-hmm. in the game now, being involved with DSA and everything. So I'm grateful that, you know, he hasn't, you know, he's always open to pushing and uh, training his former athletes, whether it be USA, Kansas, USA, Hopkins, or whatnot. So, uh, yeah, Jay's kind of been the man, making sure I'm in shape and uh, kind of switching up the way I do think now. He's, uh, not, he's been able to watch me more one-on-one than trying to – managed 50 other guys in the weight room at the same time like it was at Hopkins. So it's been a different experience than Hopkins. It's been a great experience and, you know, it's developing a really good friendship. I hope it's the
1: same way for Jay. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, It's good to hear about him. You know, I've heard so much about him, but, you know, I really haven't talked to any of the people we've had on uh, about him. You know, I, I can't remember how many we've actually had that train with him, but it's good to, you know, hear it from somebody that actually works with him personally um, so you know, maybe he's the guy
0: that we want. We might have him. He's the best it. in the game. He's the best there. You know, um, and you know, he. Uh, there's a reason he's in the position that he's in. So well respected in this uh, game, and you know, he goes very under the radar. He's not a big uh, spotlight guy. I don't think he <laughs> likes it as much. Uh, I know he doesn't like it for a fact. So the <laughs> fact that I'm talking about him this much, he probably doesn't. He, if he ever listens to this, he probably will will um, punish me for it in the future. But, uh, no, I respect Jay a lot and uh, everything he does for me and uh, has done for guys in the past. And I guarantee if you see a top M lacrosse player, um, Jay Dyer has something to do with him or uh, has done something with him to help his game. Um, that's the kind of impact he has on the sport, whether it be men's or women's.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Um, but, yeah, that wraps up our, our five and five segment um but we're gonna end on a final question that we ask all our uh sorry we end on a final question that we ask all our guests um and that's what is some advice that you have for a young player looking to one day play lacrosse professionally
0: um i would say just no matter what your role is on your team or in the game embrace it accept don't always accept it keep fighting whether or not Um, Like, for example, in college, I was a man-up specialist for the most part and a scout player. Um, I kept battling to try and get in that attack or that midfield role. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for me, but, you know, I realized how important my role as, you know, a scout player was. Um, I developed a really good relationship with Coach Petro. Uh, I learned how to analyze uh, offenses, how to – You know, each week I was given a player. So one week it would be Pat Spencer. The next week I'd have to be um, Doc Aiken. The next week I'd be Zed Williams or whatnot when he's at Virginia and stuff like that. And uh, you have to really analyze a player, what they do, uh, some of their tendencies. And, you know, I think it honestly helped me so much as a player uh, and a person and, you know, eventually into that coaching role where, you know, um, I have to – you know, watch film and have to analyze it. And, you know, uh, you might not always be the go-to guy and you have to realize that what you do is important. And, you know, again, I went from a guy who did, barely played at Hopkins to now, you know, I'm on a professional roster playing in the NLL and living out my dream. Um, so I would say, you know, no matter what your situation is, no matter what position you're put in, take full advantage of what you're given. Work as hard as you can. You know, ask questions, learn from the people around you and don't stop and don't you know stop caring about it just because you're not in the position that you want to be. I've seen plenty of guys fall off the wayside because they don't play on Saturday and you can't accept that personally. Um, and it sucks because they've been great talent. Um, but you have to understand that eventually your time will come. You just have to keep working, keep grinding, and, and, you know, no matter what it is, learn from it, work as hard as you can at it, and, you know, if, it, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. If it's not, then you're going to have no regrets when you come out of whatever level it is when you're done playing this great game, and you can eventually get back to it.
1: No, that's some great advice. I think a lot of young listeners need to listen to that, you know, and, and, and know that, um, like you said, finding your role and embracing it doesn't always mean too accepting where you're at. You know, you can still work hard to continually improve while also embracing the role that you have at the moment. So, you know, I think that's some really great advice, Jake. We appreciate that. Um, just to wrap up, Jake, where can people find you on social media?
0: Yeah, Instagram and Twitter are both the same. It's at JDF L A X one eight um yeah, those are the two main ones. Uh, you can, if you want to find me on Facebook or Snapchat, good luck.
1: <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, but, Jake, this has been great. Uh, again, thank you for joining. Best of luck to you in the Riptide this season. And, you know, we'll definitely be in touch in the future.
0: Awesome. Thanks for having me.
1: Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, The Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today.